0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. No book can help your unique husband to become a better husband like you can. Now, I realize there are a zillion books, and we have the Bible, too, but when it comes to a wife's role in helping her husband mature in Christ, she is the most effective means of grace to transformation. A man's wife has a unique position to help a unique man grow into a unique representation of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, the ideas that I'm going to share with you over the next few moments, they apply to the husband, too. He should be cooperating with God as he is exegeting the Bible to bring customizable care to his wife. But for now, I want to talk about a wife's privilege in the marriage as she comes alongside her unique man. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. Our ministry is Life Over Coffee, and you can find us at lifeovercoffee.com. We believe that any two or more Christians can get together and they can do Life Over Coffee as they spur one another on to love and good works, helping each other to mature into Christ's likeness. Now, what I want to talk about here, I've titled it A Unique Wife Helping a Unique Man Change. Now, you can read, watch, or listen to To this at our at our sanctification center in our coffee shop at lifeovercoffee.com now before my friends who have an admirable sufficiency of Scripture worldview blow a head gasket and get up in arms about my remarks about the Bible let me clarify I believe 100% God's Word is sufficient for all matters regarding truth and godliness." By the way, we also have many practical books that have been applications drawn out of our all-sufficient Word of God, and they have been written by thousands upon thousands of remarkable men and remarkable women, and these books can help us to mature into Christlikeness. But here's my point. I'm not here to downplay those incredible tools, but I am here to speak to a different aspect of transformative grace, and that is the unique wife helping a unique man. Now I have mentioned the word unique several times already on purpose. Because that is what I want you that's what I want to bring to your attention. You see, the Bible gives us guidelines, it gives us rules, and it gives us principles and much, much more to show us how we ought to live. What the Bible does not do is exegete the unique individual autobiographically. It can speak to 8 billion people on this sphere in specific and general transformative ways, but what the Bible will not do is to get into the unique nook and crannies of a person's life. After reading several books about their problems, There have been a long list of individuals and couples who have come to me seeking help with their problems. There was nothing wrong with their books, and no question they read their 3.25 chapters every day their tension it was similar to the ethiopian eunuch reading from the book of isaiah in acts 8:32 and he needed someone to apply the all sufficient scripture to him uniquely and that is what philip did If we did not need each other, there would not be such a heavy emphasis on the one another passages in the New Testament. And though I have a strong, I mean, a strong sufficiency of Scripture worldview, I don't believe in a kind of magic that says God's Word is all you need to iron all the wrinkles out of your life. I mean, you can speak honestly about the Bible without downgrading it. The Bible is the most incredible tool that you could have to help a person change, but a Stradivarius sitting in the corner of the room is just that if nobody will pick it up and demonstrate what it can do. And the Bible is the Stradivarius. A husband needs a wife who can play one. The retort could be, well, why does he do it? Why doesn't he do it himself? And that's fair. He should. But my aim is not as apparent as that. I want to elevate. I want to envision a wife's value here. I don't want to talk as though she has no role. She has no responsibility in complimenting her husband. I'm not speaking to her as though she is incompetent. No, not at all. I am elevating her. I am honoring her. I know that the Bible is a transformative tool in a man's transformation toolbox, and I know that he must step up and turn that wrench if he wants to be like Jesus, but he has more resources in addition to God's word and personal responsibility. His wife is in a unique position to come alongside him to help him to become the man of God that he should be. I have said this many times, that there is nobody on the planet that knows me as well as my wife does. And there's nobody on the planet that knows my wife as well as I do. And we want to leverage our assets. We are unique people. I am different from her. She's different from you. You're different from the next person. And when you have somebody who knows you, uh, they know about your past. They know about your shaping influences. They know what makes you tick. They know what you like. They know what you dislike. They know how you're going to respond. They truly can finish your sentences. You have become somewhat predictable to them. Then that person with the tool of God's word in their hands, they can do customizable exegesis and they can bring God's word in a customizable way that can bring transformation to that unique individual's life like nobody else in the world can. And so I'm speaking about her role, not what the Bible can or what he should do. Every spouse comes from the dinged and dented section of the grocery store. Adam and Eve were the only two spouses that entered into a covenant in a perfect state. Of course, that relationship went to pot. And the rest of us came from their broken pots of clay. The key for each person is to understand their unique brokenness rather than general brokenness. I mean, we we all struggle with the same things. We all struggle with fear, for example. We all struggle with uh, shame to varying degrees. We all struggle with self-reliance as we uh, try to take control of our lives. But that is general brokenness. There is a unique dysfunction that makes each one of us different. Sadly, too many spouses do not consider the effects of their unique fallenness. They hit the honeymoon trail with high expectations of how their marriage will be, and then in six days, six weeks, six months, reality bites. And it's at that point a spouse has to realign their thinking biblically rather than their preferred expectations. And if they do not make this sanctification realignment, the disappointed spouse will compound the offending spouse's pre-existing problems, the ones that their partner brought into the marriage, the unique problems, the unique baggage that we all have. Some of those disappointed spouses never come to terms with what I am saying. The mere mention of them complicating their spouse's pre-existing and ongoing condition tempts them to react harshly. I trust that the more rational mind understands this relational reality and realizes the biblical logic of what I am saying. The process of this kind of marital breakdown, it happens in five steps. Let me share them with you. Number one, all humans are flawed. We call it a total depravity. What I say is that we're all totally depraved, but we are uniquely fallen. Number two, two flawed, uniquely flawed individuals marry. Number three, each one brings these unique flaws to the marriage. Number four, their marriage is now unique. It's not like anybody else's marriage. This is what I tell our Mastermind students, that when you're counseling somebody, you want to be very careful that you don't map your experience over them as though they are like you, even though you might be going through a similar thing. You are not like them. Someone asked me today, well, what did you do to, to overcome the, the trauma in your past life? I am hesitant about sharing what I did because what worked for me might not work for you. This is how I applied Scripture to myself, uniquely It may or may not work for you. And so there is some hesitancy there where the Bible is not clear. Then there is a way of doing things versus the way of doing things. And if the Bible is explicit, I would say this is what you should do. But if the Bible is not explicit, and on most things the Bible is not, because again, there are 8 million people in the world, and if the Bible spoke uniquely to every person in the world, well, there would not be enough books, there would not be enough room in this world to contain the books. And so, number four is their marriage is now unique. And then, number five, each spouse should disciple the other uniquely. Let me share with you a unique story. Biff came from a dysfunctional childhood. His dad was an abuser. Biff learned the ropes early, which is basically lay low and hope not to get hit verbally or physically. Biff's personality is also non-charismatic. He's not the sensational over-the-top guy. Being passive is natural for him. And then after you add his dad's abuse to a pre-existing disposition to hang back, Well, what you get is an introverted, shy, insecure adult who struggles with the fear of man. And that's some of the baggage that Biff brought into his marriage, and you can see the unique shaping influences of it that makes him a unique man. And so Biff entered into the marriage with his unique childhood template, which became the foundation for his marriage and also his future child rearing. He also brought into his covenant the habits of an insecure person. Two of those habits were pornography and anger. You see, his porn use was an escape. Maybe a good synonym here would be relief. Because of the internal soul noise that he carried that churned in him all of his young life, he had to escape. And he found pornography to bring relief to him from the pressure of being backward, being awkward, being shy. He was too, uh, too scared to ask a girl out on a date, so he took the easy way out through the false intimacy of solo sex, which is pornography and masturbation, which brought perverted comfort and relief and an addiction that twisted his view of what an intimate marital relationship should be. And then there was anger. His anger was his way of getting things done. He didn't know how to have normal relationships. He didn't know the normal process of making appeals and encouraging and being patient with people to to get things done. And so he modeled his dad's method for acquiring what he wanted. Anger. In many cases, anger is the insecure person's manipulative tactic to get something that he wants. Biff's porn addiction and his anger addiction were two powerful, dominating, and perverted ways of thinking about relationships which affected his wife and his children. Now, Mabel came from the same dinged and dented section of the store, but I'm not going to get into her pre-marriage baggage. I just want to focus on two options for Mabel. There are two things sitting before her when it comes to discipling her husband, which is she can accept him as he is, or she can reject him. She can accept the dinged and dented biff, or she can reject him. If she assumes her discipleship role, then the first step is for Mabel to transition from the dating season to the marriage stage. You see, they had periods where they were not together during dating, making it easier for them to, to be on when they were together? You see, Biff could pump up himself to create an image of himself for Mabel to fall in love with while they were together during the dating season. And then he would deflate into his authentic self when Mabel was not around. While dating, Mabel could overlook whatever thread she saw dangling from Biff's garment. But once she brought him home to stay... There was no hiding the real Biff. He was passive. He was lazy. He was self-focused, disinterested, insecure, and occasionally angry. And he had a secret addiction. It would take a fantastic amount of grace and discernment and wisdom for Mabel to know the difference between dating a dysfunctional guy and marrying one. Her gospel call is to set aside what she wants today while partnering with God to rebuild a broken man for a better future. Too many spouses miss this opportunity, whether it's the husband or the wife. It's like their wedding day had no past, had no sorrow, had no previous dysfunction. I call this Adamic amnesia. What we want in a spouse and what we get are always different. If a spouse does not have a rational view of the differences or a determination to work hard to close the gap, things will continually worsen. Post-honeymoon, the cold reality is for the brave and for the mature, not the unrealistic, not the idealistic, and not the needy. If Mabel understands these things, she will see her husband as an emptied love cup who uses her to feel better about himself. Now that is a sobering truth about like a cold towel across the face. But rather than being offended or reactive, she'll get to work. She will ask God to help her to cooperate with him to restore Biff to the man that he should be, the one that he could not be because of past brokenness in his home. The blessedness of marriage is only comparable to the work that you put in it. It doesn't sound fair, but sin is never fair. Biff is not hiding the ball any longer. Will Mabel persevere? Will she be part of the Lord's restoration team, coming alongside him in a spirit of of gentleness, keeping watch on her soul so that she does not send her brains out? Mabel now knows she was dating Biff's representative, not the real person. Rather than being the victim who vicariously takes on his sin, by the way, that's what the word victim means, the etymology of the word victim in part, means vicarious. A victim is one who carries the sin of another. Jesus is our vicarious sufferer. He is the true, legit victim. He is able to do that. We're not built to carry the sins of others. And so Mabel has to choose. I am not going to be the victim. I'm not going to vicariously take on his sin. But I'm going to choose to beg God for an attitude of forgiveness, working in my own heart, asking him to provide me the wisdom and the practical strength that she needs to help Biff to turn around. God loves lavishing his empowering grace on humble hearts. And if Mabel is going to become that humble heart, then she's going to resist being the victim, and she's going to be ready to dig in to help her husband walk out repentance practically. There are many things for Mabel to do, and as you already see, she is the best candidate to help Biff walk out repentance. How kind of the Lord to bring her into Biff's life, to model and to instruct him on what it means to be a Christian. Nobody has the insight, nobody has the intimacy that Mabel has with her unique man. As I was saying earlier, Nobody knows my wife like I do, and nobody knows me like she does. And to have someone who is willing to come alongside you, recognizing that you came from the dinged and dented section of the grocery store, and they have the insight, they have the intimacy, and they have the wherewithal. They know that God will empower them as they take God's fabulous, all-sufficient Word, and now they are going to customize it to a unique and individual. she has the history, she has the time, she has the opportunity. Biff's mentors will be helpful too, albeit supplemental. You see the thing about having mentors people that don't live with you, they don't know you, not the way a spouse knows you. And so there are a number of means of grace that that Mabel can access to, uh, help her as she helps her unique man. Let me give you a short list that I'm sure you can add to this. For example, Sunday morning messages at their corporate meeting will be excellent opportunities to reinforce what is going on in their marriage and their home. And so as they hear the sermons on Sunday morning, as they make that car ride back home and, and, and during the afternoon on Sunday and maybe during the week, They can start making applications to those sermons. Prayer will be specific and detailed for Biff's change because Mabel can ask specifically, not generally, for God to do this unique work because she knows her man. By the way, prayer will also be comforting and refreshing for Mabel. Number three, God's Word will guide her as she disciples Him. She will dig into the truth of God's Word and then bring out that customizable application to Bill's life. Number four, Mabel may have a mentor to guide her along, a Titus 2 lady, someone that she can bounce things off of. Number five, the sweet Holy Spirit will illuminate and empower her while convicting him. These are just some of the means of grace that she will need as she leads in this discipleship opportunity in their marriage. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to explain a few more practical thoughts for Mabel. And and as you hear these things that I'm about to share with you, just remember that none of them will be like flipping a switch on and off. These are not This is not an amputable process for Biv, as though you could just cut your offending eye out or cut your offending arm off. These are going to be mortification issues as he takes the strength out of these sin patterns that have been habituated in his life for two or three decades. And so the things that I'm going to share with you are ideas that she must implement daily, for many years, because Biff is a habituated man. He does have patterns that have existed for decades, long, long before Mabel ever met him. And so Mabel will need help to unlearn these things while teaching him how to change. And so for example, number one, practically speaking, transition. The first thing Mabel can do is index forward from dating to marriage is two different seasons. And the latter, is what reveals who a person is, not the dating season. I have called the dating season the artificial season in which two people come together to fake each other out until they get married. If she continues to live in a dating dream world, her disappointment will overcome her. And so she has to make a transition. Number two, she has to accept. As she transitions, she must accept the reality of her man's unique fallenness. He is who he is. Now, that is not an excuse, but wishing him, or it's not wishing him to be different. It's just recognize the reality that this is who he is, and it's going to take work on her part to come alongside him. And so number two, accept. Number three, put off. Mabel will have to live in a daily state of putting off thoughts about expectations and preferences which could form a stronghold in her mind. And I've seen this many times to where a wife had an expectation of what, or a man too for that matter, an expectation of what their marriage is going to be. And then after they get married, they realize that this is not how it's going to be. And they really fixate on those expectations and those preferences, and it forms a stronghold taking their minds captive. And if that happens, she will complicate an already complex man. Number four, partner. The gospel is her reminder. The gospel is her call. She understands that she was an unlovely person once upon a time. And in her husband's case, he did not He did not get the gospel training that she did. He's a caught man. But again, she was just like that. She was dead in her trespasses and sins, and, and Christ came to her to restore her, and she can emulate that in Bill's life. God wants her to partner with him. Number five, identify. Mabel wants to identify the issues. Not so much the behaviors. I mean, she, she probably knows many of the behaviors, and the behaviors are vital. But what she really wants to focus on are the underlying heart issues. And the most significant one right now, as we understand Biff, is the fear of man. And so she wants to help Biff become untangled to this life-dominating sin of the fear of other people. And as she cooperates with the Lord to help him untangle his deep-seated insecurity... It will allow him to overcome his two primary behavioral sins, addiction and anger. You see, the addiction problem and the anger problem flow out of this deep-seated insecurity, as I articulated earlier. Number six, she has two means. The two means are encouragement and strength. And these are the two most effective tools to help Biff change. Number one, encouragement. The kindness of God, the encouragement of God, leads to repentance. Biff only knows disapproval, a mean dad, rejection, disparaging words. His problems will worsen if Mabel is a critical or or outspoken in her disappointment with him. Part of how she encourages him is by overlooking a lot of sin, but Mabel will have to choose her words carefully she will often need to keep her mouth shut other times she wants to uplift with edifying comments and then sometimes she will have to use corrective care because it is essential and so encouragement number two is strength the two tools that she has mabel's power will happen in two ways one will be self-control and the other will be not letting biff run all over her you see self-control is god's power working through her and that's where she will gain her strength it is god's power working through her keeping her under self-control and of course self-control is part of the fruit of the spirit but there will be other times when Bill will try to manipulate her and she must stand her ground she must stand up for herself which she can do in a respectful way I've titled this, A Unique Wife Helping a Unique Man Change. Now, please understand this point. Biff's sanctification is not on Mabel's shoulders. I've never said that. How he relates to God and how he relates to others is 100% on him, not the responsibility of other people. Biff will not be able to say that, God, you didn't do X, Y, Z. Biff will not be able to say that, you know, that woman you gave me, she was not helpful. And so don't think of this as though what you do or what you don't do will be the cause of your spouse's actions. Never. Not. This is him. It's all on him. But I do hope that you see this as an opportunity to cooperate with the Lord to restore a soul. Imagine finding a broken-down car in the junkyard, and you get to work with a master mechanic to repair it. That's what I'm talking about. We have broken-down people all around us, and what they do and what they don't do, that's on them. But we have the opportunity to cooperate with the master mechanic in the the restoration of these broken-down people. If spouses considered their partners this way, dinged and dented from the grocery store, it would transform many marriages. Let me ask a few questions and we'll wrap up. Are you married to a dysfunctional spouse? Of course you are. Next question. (laughs) Number two, will you describe his unique brokenness? What happened to him? What were some of his shaping influences, including some of the decisions that he has made? We can self sabotage ourselves. I have made a lot of poor decisions in my past, in my pre regenerate past, and they became shaping influences. By the way, Bill did too. He chose anger, he chose porn. Those are shaping influences, those are decisions that he made. But there are also other shaping influences, and I mentioned his dad, for example. And so the question is what happened to him? talk through, think through, reflect a moment as the things that have have shaped him that have created this unique broken car in the junkyard. Number three, though you want to address his behaviors, you must consider their sources first. What drives him? Here's a few examples to think about. Is it his fear? Does he have a desire to control? Does he carry a sense of shame? Does he struggle with self-reliance? What are some other things that may drive him uh, under the surface of his life? You want to address the behaviors, but you have to consider the, the genesis, the source of those behaviors which are in his heart. Number four, how are you cooperating with the Lord in restoring your spouse to Christ's likeness? Maybe to spend some time reflecting upon that. Then number five, how do you need to change so you don't complicate his complications, because we can do that. When we are working on that old rusty car from the junkyard and we turn the wrench and it slips off that worn off nut and we bang our hands and now we're bleeding and we throw the wrench across the garage or we say something unsavory, it can happen when we are dealing with the person who is struggling in the way that I have talked about, Bill. If you want to read, watch, or listen to this, please go to LifeOverCoffee.com. The title of it is A Unique Wife Helping a, a Unique Man Change. By the way, if you're struggling with fear of man or helping somebody to work through the fear of man, as I've outlined here with Bill, we do have a course uh, at LifeOverCoffee.com. It's called No More Fear, and you can click on the courses button, and, and you can find it, and you can read all about it, and maybe you would like to take that course. There's been quite a few people who have or are in process of taking it. It is a new course right now. And again, it's all online, so you can do it anywhere you want to at a pace that you choose, but it will be very helpful to you. And as I read the reactions to some of the folks that have written in, God is doing a work in these people's hearts. And so I would just appeal to you that maybe the fear of man, maybe that could be one of those means of grace that you use with your Biff, that he struggles with fear of man. And so you can walk through this course together and help him to get a handle on him. A unique wife helping a unique man change. Thanks so much and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.